are listening to Into the Valley, a Phoenix Suns podcast, a part of the Brightside Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, Into the Valley. I am Ethan Shutt, joined as always by Ryan Shutt and Philip Russell. And we are coming at you after a bit of a holiday hiatus. Travels have come and gone. We are all home. Uh, some of our homes a little warmer than others. We'll get to that shortly. But gentlemen, how are you doing on this? What a weird date. Wednesday morning. <laughs> it feels like Saturday, but uh, Wednesday Just morning. like we've always done those nice Wednesday morning recordings. Absolutely. We're nothing but consistent. How are you guys doing? Good, man. Uh, like you said, it's a little warmer here where I am. Fortunately, we're up in the 60s. I hate to see what you guys are facing after the after the week y'all had. But life's good, man. Things are going well. Enjoyed the holidays uh, with mom and dad. Wish you guys could have been a, a part of it. I hate that we're, we're separated now, but always nice to catch up with you guys via the pod. Um, as if we don't talk basically every day anyway. But it's good to see your faces. And Philip, how are you? How was baby's first Christmas? It was good. So we've kind of had... It was your first Christmas? Yep. We've kind of had four Christmases, if you count all extended families, and there was snow on the ground at all four of them, which is kind of magical. So we told her, we're like, not that she understands, but we were like, you're never going to get that again. So enjoy it while it lasts. That's awesome. Yeah, I was uh, was in Indiana for in-law Christmas. Uh, Very, very cold. Negative 16 at the lowest. Uh, you walk outside and it hurts to breathe, but it was a new experience. And we came home after being a week away to a gas leak in our house. So downstairs, as of uh, about 10 minutes ago, was clocking in at 57 degrees. But luckily, we got some heat going upstairs. We're nice and toasty in here. And uh, we, get a, we get a hop on the old pod. And I know we joked about the, the weirdness that is a Wednesday recording. This is our last episode, guys, <gasps> without having a set schedule. Wow. Really had you guys go in there for a second. Uh, starting Saturday morning, we are officially going to be rolling out Saturday morning episodes. Uh, after talking with Dave, uh, the official king of Brightside, I believe. I'm not sure if that's his. I'm not sure what the title is. It's in the name. I, it makes sense. Uh, he... And us, we, we kind of discussed us taking the time slot that was held dear by many Suns fans with the Solar Panel podcast. So we're going to be slipping in Saturday morning with our normal live YouTube episode. So if you are a listener and you're looking to join us on Saturday mornings, feel free to do that. It'll be 10 a.m. Central, 11 Eastern. You Arizonians can can do the math there. Your time decides to work differently than the rest of the world with daylight savings. So that's on you guys. But um, we're excited. So first episode with the new schedule in just a couple days. We hope you'll join us for that. And as always, thanks to Dave and the Brightside folks for helping us continue with this podcast. This is episode 79, I think. We're starting to get close enough to 100 where we start got to start planning something special. Maybe, uh, maybe some cool guests. Or maybe... Mikhail? I think he's got other things going on right now. Wait and find he's out. He's got some other stuff he needs to be doing right We've now. We've got 21 episodes to figure it out. Like remembering how to play good basketball. Yep, that mm. would be the that would be the one. Hadn't got and there. And that yet. leads us into this. Um, week. So <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk some hoops, guys. Um, I will. <clears throat> I will filibuster this thing for uh, one time this episode, and that is to get everyone caught up 
who might be listening but unable to watch the games we have not recorded since December 11th. Like I said, holidays and travel got the best of us there. But since then, the Suns are 5-3. and three. When we last recorded, we were coming off of a four-game losing streak uh, that ended up going, oh, goodness, who was the first one? No, it ended up going to five, didn't it? We were recording on four, and then they lost to the Rockets to make it five. That's what happened. I remember we were optimistic that they had a get-right game, and then the Suns laughed at us. But since then... The Suns have beat the Clippers, then they beat the Pelicans, and they beat the Lakers. So they got some good momentum going, three straight NBA TV wins, and then lost to the Wizards, Grizzlies, and Nuggets before last night's win against the Grizzlies. Now, I, I think we've said this before, and we'll continue to say it. Due to us living in Kentucky, for, for two of us, um, we can't watch Grizzlies games on TV. League Pass is blacked out. It sucks. I was not able to get the live full recording in this morning. I checked. All that I had were highlights, uh, YouTube packages, which are, you know, super great, and a box score. So when it comes to last night's game, if you are coming here for a full breakdown of that Grizzlies win, unfortunately, we will not be able to provide that other than kind of what we were watching online. But the Suns have been a bit of a mixed bag, uh, winning record since our last recording, which is great. But injuries have continued. Biggest one of all, Devin Booker, out for four games, I believe, before coming back to play on Christmas and leaving four minutes into the game. Bit of a bummer there. Uh, but an exciting Christmas Day game, in my opinion, the best one of the day. Unfortunately, I think an entire half of the United States was probably asleep for it. I know I watched it on the actually, East Coast. Actually, and it was brutally late. I thought so as well. It had the highest viewership of any of the late games in the really? last seven years. It is the most watched late game in the last seven years. There were it a was, lot of eyes on that game. I was up very late watching that game uh, in bed at the in laws on the iPad, holding in my emotions with every crazy insane play but it, not a not a horrible two weeks I would say um we're not gonna go through every single game trying to recap what happened what didn't happen I kind of just wanted to open it up before we go with our, our normal kind of ending to our episodes uh, later on just kind of wanted to open the floor up to what stuck out to you guys maybe over these last couple weeks like I said it's been a bit of a mixed bag I don't think you can come away feeling like we have now cemented ourselves as contenders or cemented ourselves as a bottom of the league. Like I think we're very much in the same general area that we were when we talked last time, but there've been some big wins. There've been some big moments in terms of health uh, rotations last night being one of the funniest lineups I've seen the suns pull out in quite some time. Uh, a lot of stuff has gone on. So Philip, I'll kind of kick it over to you first. What what's maybe something that stuck out to you the most over the last week and a half, two weeks? The Suns have a Jaron Jackson Jr. problem, and I'm just going to use him to exemplify a bigger issue because you really notice it with the Grizzlies game. And again, we'll keep saying this. We didn't get to watch the latest game against the Grizzlies. I think because of all of our League Pass subscriptions being similar, we can go back and watch that on Friday. I think mm -hmm. it's three days after 
the game. So we'll go back and watch it and see we, what the Suns did. We were able to watch the one on the 23rd. We were able to watch the loss yeah. on yeah. ESPN <laughs> about a week ago, almost, but not last night. So we can watch all the Grizzlies games that are nationally televised when they play the Suns that day. But here's the problem. When the Grizzlies play Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson Jr., the Suns just don't have the size to compete with that kind of strength and athleticism. And again, they might've done this a lot better last night, but it's been a pattern that you can see against teams like the Grizzlies, against teams like the Nuggets, who Aaron Gordon played an outstanding game. That's a ridiculous trade for them looking back at what they had to give up for that. But And the dunk aside, he was really good. And he is playing so well off of Jamal Murray and Jokic. Like you put Jokic and Murray as a duo, they're working together. And then Aaron Gordon playing off of them, he's really good. And he plays really well down low. And he's a lot to handle because that man is big. So Jaron Jackson Jr., Aaron Gordon, and then everybody has a problem with it, but it fits the same mold. Zion Williamson, who we haven't talked since the Suns beat the Pelicans 118-114 a few weeks ago. But it's that general idea when you have an oversized, athletic, strong four, who do the Suns have to put on them? Because Torrey Craig, as good as he is, he's just undersized to play those guys. And usually if you if you have Torrey Craig against a Reggie Bullock, for example, you're comfortable with Torrey's physicality, with his athleticism. But the last few weeks have shown, I think one of the things the Suns need to be looking for as the trade deadline gets closer and closer and Suns fans' anxiety increases every day with that reality, they need to look for a bigger, more athletic four because when you look at teams in the Western Conference, this is dealing with the guys I've already mentioned. It's dealing with a dude like Kawhi. It's dealing even maybe with a dude like Draymond Green who has a skill set and physicality to go at the Suns fours when they're undersized. I will say I did get to watch the game yesterday and something that I think you guys will be interested in. I think it actually texted Ethan about this at one point in the third, when the Grizzlies had pulled it a little tighter, Monty actually went to a lineup that was Chris Paul, Mikhail, Jock, Torrey, Ayton. So we went with a pretty big lineup and and that seemed to kind of combat some of the push the Grizzlies were making there, which was kind of interesting to see. But there are two ways that you can combat this, right? So you can size up, and that's it sounds like that's what the Suns did last night, or you can size down. Because mm-hmm. what a team like the Warriors does is they trust, therefore, they trust Draymond when he's on the court that he's offensively capable enough, and it's not he himself, but it's how he can facilitate and get other people open. They trust Draymond to be able to punish a guy like Jaron Jackson Jr. Where right now, like you would say, maybe Cam Johnson has mm-hmm. the ability to do that. But currently, Torrey Craig just doesn't. Yeah. And and one thing of note, too, and I had this just as kind of an interesting note of last night's game, trying to get a good idea of what I could pair numbers with the video that I was getting. Uh, to Ryan's point, we had some pretty funky big lineups. I I think that was more out of necessity of what, the Suns had available less to do with what the sure. Grizzlies were doing. Campaign out, Devin Booker out, Landry Shamit out. So if you're looking at go smaller, so go your average big, height is six eight for the well, team. Right. So point. so here here are the two things that stuck out to me as I was kind of jotting down some interesting notes. We had 
Uh, well, I'll, I'll go with this one first because I've got it pulled up. Jaron Jackson Jr., I think he ended up two of 12. Mm-hmm. The two guys that guarded him the most were Ish Wainwright for just over two minutes and Jock Landale with three and a half. Rotations were funky, like I said. Take what you want from that. But the biggest thing that I thought was very interesting was, and I know this is like the most basic of stats, the actual minutes per player, the Suns had all but two players play at least 20 minutes. That it, Dario played three. Sweet Dario. We love Tough. you. Best of luck. And Bismack played 14. Everyone else played somewhere between 21 and 27 minutes. So this was a full-on team effort in, in going through the game tracking. The Suns did, to, to Ryan's point, I think I think they extended biggest lead somewhere in like the 16-18 range. Maybe they cracked it past there um, as from memory, so sorry about that. But it was never a we're throwing in the bench. You know what I mean? Like this wasn't inflated minutes due to that. It was we're riding the hot hands, we're riding the hands that are working, which Dwayne Washington being the chief among them, my goodness, by the way. Um, I know I know highlight packages only tell a part of the story. I look forward to watching the game so I can watch how he was on defense, to be honest with you. Offensively, though, going back and watching what the Suns put out last night, uh, of all of his points, the guy was cooking, and he was doing one thing that I had not seen him do to that extent, which was creating for others. Uh, I'm all about the points total. Point total is great. What I loved the most is looking at what else he did, and I was pretty stinking impressed with eight assists to two turnovers, add in a couple steals and some rebounds. Like It was a very complete offensive game in a time where it was desperately needed. So we'll have to see what all comes of that. But again, they're kind of figuring out what to do without campaign Booker and Shamit. And if you can get a win against a good, healthy team, that's great. Mm-hmm. Like we went about it in a weird way, but I think it was more out of necessity than anything else. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think one of the things that's interesting is the, the Grizzlies did make a push. So as you two go back and watch it, we kind of hit a second gear about halfway through the third quarter. So the last half of the third quarter into the fourth was actually a really, really fun into that game, especially for a Grizzlies team where jaw over the last couple of weeks had been pretty confident in their standing uh, in the Western conference. And then ended up getting schlacked by uh, the warriors and then us uh, shorthanded, which felt uh, pretty good and adds just a little bit of spice to that game, which is fun. Uh, Ethan, you're on mute. That was, oh, oh, dude, I unmuted quick enough. You didn't have to call me out like that. <laughs> I had it within half a second. Now the whole world's going to know I'm an idiot. Hey, that's uh, okay. We still love you. Joey yeah, loves what, you. Whatever. Uh, no, I, the John Morant thing, what was funny to me about his interview, the, you know, who are you worried about? And I, I think he, he said the Celtics, right? Y'all, y'all saw that interview. Yeah, yeah, I can't yeah, remember yeah. if it was with Malika or someone else, but it was. And they're like, well, they're not in the West. Anyone? He's like, I'm not worried about the West. What I loved is that it wasn't just bashed by Suns fans. It was bashed by a lot of people in the league. Uh, Simmons and Rosillo, I think, mentioned it on their pods. Uh, one of them making the point of, if I'm a Memphis fan, the confidence is great. But at the same time, you need to do something to prove that you can say that. Like, that's that's weird right like i don't know 
maybe I don't know. When when that came out, I was like, my guy, that is not you. Like if Jason Tatum was asked who you worried about, and he was like, the Warriors, I'd be like, fair enough. You have earned that, sir. Congratulations. <laughs> John Moran, I'm like, my guy, like, where did you go out in the playoffs last year? What's the farthest you've made it? Like, I don't know. I guess it was like a Patrick Beverly answer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, a, you're just saying this because you know how it sounds. Do you actually mean this? Like, you've got to be kidding if you're telling me John Morant's not worried about anyone in the West. Right. It kind of reminded me of the Javon Carter interview post game after he dropped like 30 in the interview where it was like, so like, when did you know you were getting it going? He's like, when I woke up. Yeah, <laughs> That's like, what it felt like. I don't know. Philip, what were your thoughts as a general hoop fan when you when you see someone with his level of qualifications, experience, success, maybe have a line like that? The only person he should be worried about is Jaron Jackson Jr. So I complimented him earlier because he's big and athletic and a four and now I'm going to dump on him. Fouling out every <laughs> yeah. uh, two quarters. Yeah, that's the only thing that Josh should be worried about because when he's not in foul trouble, they are generally, last night being an exception, they are generally an amazing team. Like the defense is the real deal and John Morant in a pick and roll can cook just about anybody that he wants to and he's healthy. So they are unquestionably contenders in the West. And then they're probably collectively young enough to not know that they should be worried about other teams yeah. out in the West. And they should have that kind of bravado from, from being youthful and inexperienced, which I was talking around calling them young and dumb. Cause I don't mean that intellectually. I just mean it life experience wise. They're just young and dumb and they're just running their mouths, which I think is fun. Like it's cool. It's right. cool. Oh, it's to good see. for it's good for the league. I want to see like the Warriors and the Grizzlies going at each other. I want to see the Suns and the Nuggets going at each other. I want them to not like each other. I want them talking smack. I think it's a lot of fun. No, I agree. Uh one other thing from last night's game before we kind of go back to some maybe some bigger picture thoughts. Last night was one of those games where the Suns were just on fire from three. Uh, and it was coming from basically everyone. I think everyone except for Mikhail ish in a Kogi shot 50% or better from three, including Jock going perfect from three, perfect from the free throw line. I think they shot 57, nope, 54, 54.8 from three on uh, 31 attempts. So it was definitely, I don't know. If you told me the Suns decided to play big to counter the Grizzlies and then shot about 55% from three, I would say, I mean, great. Like, I'm glad that worked. Do I expect that to happen again? No. If we were healthy, do I see Monty looking at a Western Conference playoff matchup against the Grizzlies? He's like, guys, do you remember, do you remember back in December when we just put all our big boys out there and it worked? <laughs> like, I don't see that happening. I don't view it as an actual solution to the problem. I'm very happy at work. And I think that same logic I want to share that so that I, I don't think people should view last night and say, well, we know what to do against the Pelicans now. You know what I mean? Like, that's not a solution ever, um, given our roster. But again, a win's a win. I'm all for it. Um, I want to bear my soul to you all, uh, open up about something that has been weighing heavy on me for the last couple of weeks. If you follow me on Twitter, you may have picked up on this. Uh, and if if not, good. I've I literally text Ryan and Philip things that I want to tweet but don't. 
I have, as a Suns fan, been personally offended by the fan base for an absurd amount of unnecessary hatred towards Landry Shaman. I think it is, it's twofold. When Landry signed, he immediately got an extension without doing anything. I think that peeved a lot of folks who wanted other players to get extensions. I get it. They also had the whole Monty wants him to marry his, his kid. Oh, it's just Monty's favorite. Blah, 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 blah. Right. I get it. Um, I don't know why everyone hates him so much to the extent of like when the new owners came in, people were like, all right, I hope, I hope they take Shamit with them or something stupid. And after every game, oh, you can't, can't expect to win with Landry playing 18 minutes. Oh, you need to give all those minutes to a Kogi now. Like it is, it's weird. And it's not just from like the weird dark part of the fan base where I'm not sure what's going on, but I just kind of watch from a distance. It's also from like verified blue check people who are supposed to know the game and watch the game in it or talk about the game regularly. I don't get it. And so when Landry for the last two weeks has shown what we have all been saying this whole time, which is if given the opportunity and if given the opportunity to play the style that suits him best, you will see a productive player. And oh my goodness, guys. Wow, Landry can play basketball? What is this revival of a career? Nonsense. You haven't watched. You've been having too much fun hating the guy. Defensively, he's always been solid. Even trying to take the charge on Aaron Gordon was a smart play. And offensively, none of his shooting was hero ball like, I'm going to go get my shot. No, you play him within the offense and he's going to get buckets. And he can get hot. And he can also attack the rim, which is something we've talked about many times. It. I don't know. I don't understand why it annoys me. I never cared about Landry Shamit before this. It's not like I have some secret affinity for the Wichita Shockers. Uh, I just don't get why people hate a dude who has done nothing wrong, really. And then the moment he does well, it's like, oh my goodness, I love him so much. I'm so like, that's just stupid. And I don't know. None of this was a conversation. None of this was an actual question for you guys. Remember at minute seven when you said you were only going to filibuster one time? My bad, <laughs> homie. Like, is it? I mean, do y'all see it on your Twitter like timeline? Yes, it's, it's yes. idiotic, idiotic. And you and I talked about it off, off, off pod. It makes the whole thing. fan base look stupid. There it we go. it, it does, see. and I think it's just low hanging fruit, right? We're right. We're, it's he's we the nice guy the who got paid. Right. He got paid. We're the definition of a mid team right now, as the kids would say. So you, you find something to, 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 to dunk on and you say, Oh, Landry isn't who we want him to be low hanging fruit. We'll pick on Landry. You want to pick on somebody, pick on Dario for crying out loud. Pick, pick on Mikhail. Pick, yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Go look there at other, stats for the there last are other more glaring places to point fingers than Landry Shamit, who is doing his role to the best of his abilities right now. And when he gets playing time, plays really well. You want to look at how much, if you're looking simply from money to results, there's a older player on our team who you should be far more outraged by. Like, it makes no sense to me. Give it one year with the CBA, whatever, whatever. And anyone would look at that kind of like, oh, that seems reasonable. Right? Like, it just, it's so stupid. To me, it is, you're not watching. You just want to scream into the abyss about something. It seems like we all agreed about this one player. And I was trying to think through 
Suns teams in the past that has there been a player that the whole fan base just wants to crap on for fun and just seems to enjoy when they do bad so that they can yell at them. I don't want to be here. That's the last one I like, remember. Right, but he was asking for it. You know what I mean? Like the only other discourse similar is the DeAndre Ayton screaming about like DeAndre could put up a 40 and 20 game and someone being like, I can't believe he didn't dunk it on him. How dare you lay it in? Like you're just angry to be angry. I don't know. It's stupid. All that to say, congrats to Landry for having a phenomenal last two weeks in incredibly tough situations. He is the only reason he we were kept in multiple games. And good for you. Like, if you get traded to another team and these performances are a part of it, I hope that fan base is nice to you. Like, I personally, if I were him and I looked on Twitter and searched for my name and I scrolled through tweets from my team and their fans, I'd be like, what the crap did I do? I don't even, I don't do that much. I just, you know, it just makes no sense. Makes no sense at all. And it just is stupid. I don't like being associated when it comes to basketball people who are supposed to know at least something, this, he sucks. Why? I mean, he sucks. He got an extension. He sucks. All right. I'm done. I need to be done. Do you feel better though? I, yeah, I did. I've held that in for two weeks. Yeah, there I have been so, there been so many you. tweets. So my goodness. So many tweets were after the game. Landry's like a in the positive shot. Well, good assist to turnover ratio and played stellar defense the whole game. And it's like, can't be, I mean, you can't expect to win with, with Landry playing 21 minutes. Akogi needs all those minutes. I'm like, my brother in Christ, we have three guards on the IR. What do you expect? <laughs> who's who's going to play him? Like, Do you want me to go get Elia Kobo from France back? Mm. Do you want me to like dig through and see if Dragon Bender can come run some point forward? Like, he, like be, what are you doing? My goodness. I'm... I did Someone see. I did ahead. see on My Twitter bad. he's looking to make an NBA comeback, so that that could that could happen. I'm gonna drink my coffee. What else you got the last couple of weeks before we go to the highs and lows? And just so uh, you know, sorry. we're six and nine. We're not very good. Like yeah, we're the fifth seed in the West right now, but like we're not a great basketball team. And anybody who thinks otherwise is mistaken. Six and nine. What are you talking about? In the I month missed. of December, we are six and nine. Oh, okay. We are not yeah, playing very well right now. It's just funny when people are getting upset about results when half the team, or yeah. sorry, half of the playoff rotation is missing to some extent. Like Philip, as someone who is not maybe as entrenched within the Suns Twitter fandom nonsense, like is it? It shouldn't. Shouldn't a fan base be like, "Oh, we're missing our star player for stints. We're missing our starting young point power forward." Our point guard just came back from being out for an entire month. Like it makes sense to hit some bumps that are like, I feel like Warriors fans are freaking out less and their team's chilling in like ninth in the West, right? Like they're like, we'll figure it out. We'll be all right. Like, I wish we could get to there. What, what does it take to get to there other than just having Steph Curry on the roster? Cause that does help a lot. I don't know. Cause I don't follow any Warriors people. And if Suns fans get annoying, I mute them. So <laughs> that's just kind of the vibes bars. That's kind of the vibe. The, the thing about the last couple games though, I was really impressed with the Suns on Christmas. That game was great. They looked really good. Now the game before that, the Grizzlies game was awful. Woof. All right. But you go back to the wizards game. 
You lost in clutch because you let a 15-0 run go in clutch time after a fourth quarter where Suns probably should have put it away. But again, that stuff, that's okay. Bradley Beal got hot, whatever. Bad Grizzlies lost. But then the Nuggets game was really good, really impressive. Grizzlies game last night, obviously, really good. So you're looking at three out of four games where you're not feeling bad about where the Suns are right now. Like that that Nuggets game, the ball was zipping around the perimeter. At times, the offense looked good. I wrote down several times, like just the general activity from the team, defensively, offensively, looked much better. They're adding in new wrinkles, which I'll get into next segment. I think generally speaking, people get more engagement being overly dramatic on Twitter. But I think when you have an opportunity or when you talk, primarily talk about the game like we do in a longer form, there's just more space to actually see the reasons behind it. Like it's easy to see why a shooter in Landry Shamit would struggle if he's only getting 10 minutes of run a night. It makes a lot of sense for us that when he's getting over 20 minutes consistently, he starts playing a lot better. His handle gets better. He gets more comfortable when he's getting pressured. He's still flawed there, but he's getting better. We can talk about that and kind of see that. It's hard to get that off in 280 characters. And I honestly, like, I just don't care about the hot takes from game to game. Because if you isolate any of these games, if you isolate the Nuggets game, you look at that and you go, oh, the Suns just took one of the best teams in the West to the brink, probably should have won in regulation, barring some bad free throw shooting, and their best player was out. And a starter was out. And their backup point guard was out. You go like, yeah, the Suns are one of the best teams in the West. But then you isolate the Grizzlies loss and you can freak out in the opposite direction. And that's just the general vibe on NBA Twitter. And I think the three of us, at least when it comes to how we talk about basketball, we just don't do that. So we probably doom scroll through Twitter and it might not be fair to the people who we're reading because we don't put out really any content along those lines. Like Twitter's not the place where we're getting off our backs basketball takes most of the time. Nah, it just leads to fights. <clears throat> I don't like that. I like ending with a agree to disagree. People do not <laughs> seem to like that at all. <clears throat> Apparently it's condescending. I don't know. Um no, I, I do agree, Philip. It is a big picture approach to the team and to the season. And if you're leaving one game with a this is a definitive conclusion I have come to on this player. I mean, I guess that's, I guess that's your call and that's totally fine. But um, anything else that we want to cover just from the last couple of weeks before we move on, I think we've touched on every game worth noting, even if it is just bringing up a, a wizard's loss that made me sad, even in short. Thanks for that, Philip. Uh, if not, let's move on to the reason people come back every week. Our highs, our lows, and our just so you knows in Phoenix Suns basketball. And with that, Ryan, I'm going to have Philip go first with the highs this week. You had so many in a row. I had to, I had to share. That's fair. Keep me humble. I appreciate it. I know. Ethan, I'm going to go quick because I think, well, do you have more Landry Shamit talk for your high? I mean, did I have it ready? Of course I did. Was yeah, I hoping someone so else? Here's, no, no, no. Let's do it. Here's what I'm going to say. I think Landry Shamit's playmaking has improved dramatically over the last couple of weeks. And I think that's really good when 
I'm going to cover this more. And just so you know, uh, when you can put the ball in his hands and you can get into a set really well, that opens up a lot for the Suns. But now I want Ethan to isolate on his Landry Sham at high for the week. I mean, it was it was the facilitating. It was legitimately the the way he was running the offense and creating for others. I think is what blew people away because they didn't know it existed and it was there. And it was it was handling the pick and roll well. It was probing the defense, manipulating who steps up to find a cutting jock or busy or whoever. Uh, I try not to get too excited about it, but there were times where I was kind of fast forwarding to the playoffs and I was saying are there times where I might want Landry to be facilitating with the second unit instead of campaign? And when it comes to decision-making, my answer was yes. That's no hate to campaign. And I honestly think campaign could be out there. I think it could be the two of them with Landry handling the ball, getting the mismatch through the pick and roll, and then getting it to cam to attack if need be. But I liked that it seemed to open up the game for other players. And that was my favorite part. It wasn't that he was scoring 30 points because he was 10 of 12 from three. It was with good assist numbers, with low turnover numbers, and the ability to get to the rim and get fouled, which is something that I think campaign doesn't quite have because of his, I'd say, unwillingness to take contact. It's just when you're that smaller, lankier guy, sometimes you're moving away and you're not getting the call. He does a lot of those little scoops and thrown into the audience type type of things here where he lands in the second row. I thought Landry's confidence just seemed like an all-time high. The players were thrilled about it. He was shooting the ball with just the Clay Thompson confidence of, I don't care where I catch it. I don't know where my body is. That straight verticality that we've talked about before, where no matter what direction you're moving, when you jump for that shot, you are going straight up. Uh, And he bailed out Chris Paul in a huge moment in that, I think it was that Denver game that high catch corner three late. Um, And the fact that the Suns were running plays for him late in the game too, I think continues to validate that this wasn't just a, Oh, he's got a hot hand. It is a, we, we trust this guy to make the right decision, make the right read. I thought he played phenomenal uh, for the last two weeks. I think coming in and doing what he did in a game where he didn't expect that workload and Damian Lee, I don't know how he's not been brought up either. I thought I thought the my high honestly for the week was just the backcourt guards who stepped up backcourt sorry backup guards who stepped up big time. Damian Lee, Dwayne Washington, Landry Shamet, those three guys were the reason that we were either in these games or winning these games in a really tough spot where not only were you without Booker, you were without Chris Paul to some extent. Uh and sorry if that's too harsh. Um it seemed like last night he had a better game especially shooting the ball. That's great. But I think the Nuggets game, he was, what, 50% from the field, 50%-ish from the free throw line? Like, the fact that you were taking the Nuggets to overtime in Denver in a situation like that where you get four minutes from book, like, that's got, that's got to give the fan base some playoff confidence. That's what I took away. It was big game, unexpected things happening. You are called to do more than what was expected of you, and you delivered. And Damian Lee, my goodness that dude's got some fourth quarter huevos on him like unreal what he is continuing to do and just proving he's, he's shooting i looked this up earlier today he's shooting 58.8 percent from three in the fourth quarter he, of the season and look, look at his look at his regular like just regular season numbers i think he's still top three in three yeah, he's shooting 48 
from yeah, the, like from three for the season. Are you kidding? Cam Johnson goes out and Damian Lee somehow is the one who has stepped up to cover that aspect of the offense with an increased workload on attempts. Like incredible. Like I know, I know the Suns can get trashed on for not bringing in a, a true second option, creating facilitating. I get that, but I still think we got to give a whole lot of credit to the guards that stepped up big time. Uh, and two thirty burgers within, I mean, a week and a half. That's, that's awesome. Uh, and then Dwayne Washington having himself a night too. That was great. I like, I like when those things happen. I like seeing that the team can, I'm not going to say thrive without Booker, but survive without Booker. Um, so we'll, we'll see there, but yeah, that's my high. I was pumped. I was pumped for those guys. Um, guys that don't get the most love and did really well. And a Kogi, I mean, I, a Kogi, I don't know if you, he is a guard, but he's built like a linebacker. So I guess he falls in the category. He had some great runs as well, crashing the offensive board like a menace, defensively still stellar. So there's, there's, I had a lot of love to share. There was some pent-up rage, but I had a lot of love as well. Ryan, what you got, buddy? Uh, one that we haven't touched on, and I'm surprised we haven't touched on, is Devin Booker single-handedly beating the Pelicans on December 17th. Uh, that Shoot. performance was insane. Booker went absolutely scorched earth. If you have league pass, I can't recommend going back and watching it enough if you didn't get to. Uh, Devin Booker finished with 58 points, five rebounds, five assists in the game. The Suns were down by up to 24 at one point, uh, and he still led them to the win. And this is one of the craziest stats to me. At at the end of the third quarter, Booker had 43 points on 76.6% true shooting percentage. All other Suns had 42 on 48% true shooting. The dude was incredible. It was one of the best single game performances of a player I think I've ever watched personally. It was unbelievable. I don't want to derail completely. I'm going to give myself a, a Q and a, I will keep my thoughts myself. <laughs> Devin Booker doing that was a, another reminder of something we've talked about of does this guy have that thing that can put him into the top, let's say eight players or so. Right. And I think I think he does. I think he has shown that in terms of just offensive skill, he is on another level once he can do that, you know, with consistency. And I think he's shown that this year. One thing that popped in my head while watching uh, one of the Christmas games was watching Jason Tatum attack Giannis at the rim. Again, attacking Giannis at the rim. And I said, oh, boy, that boy has officially moved into some other level of I'm that guy mode. Do you think that like, I was trying to think of other Booker type superstars who have led teams to great successes. And that's more of the, not a bruiser yam on your head, more of a operate from the twos and the threes, mid range, three point shooting type of style outside of Steph. I couldn't think of anyone who that was their MO for scoring and they elevated to such crazy heights. Cause like other guys are like Dame, Dame's that way. CJ's that way. Kobe. I mean, later Kobe was the last guy mm-hmm. I could think of that really fit that model. But the way the game is moving, it just seems like a, a Tatum built star makes more sense for who you're having to go against. If that makes sense. Could you think of anyone else? Cause even, I mean, even even Luca fits more of the 
if you're just looking spectrum, he's more on the Tatum side of things, the LeBron side of things, than the Booker Kobe side. And Steph is honestly just an anomaly. Like Steph is just doesn't. I, I think you have to fit. put Clay Thompson in that too, though, right? Nah, he's not. He's not leading your team. To, I'm saying leading your team to greatness. I, I, I think I feel if like you some of those sense teams, he was right there along. But I see what you're saying. Oh, uh, you said Warriors teams, you mean? Yeah. Oh, okay. No, nah, I don't think so. I think he, I mean, he was, he was a clear two to Steph. He was a clear three when KD showed up and KD almost plays more like a booker, but can also go do the Tatum LeBron thing where he's just a beautiful basketball creation from above. Like, I don't know it. I don't say that to be pessimistic. I just watching, watching Tatum and Giannis go back and forth and then seeing Jalen Brown also have that same kind of ability and then replaying in my head the guys who were that guy in the playoffs this last year I was like I'm in, I'm intrigued I'm intrigued to see if the Kobe style play becomes more of a you have to be a secondary option you can't be that guy on a, on a team so I don't know I mean even teams like the the Sixers, you can't be like, well, Harden can do it. I mean, it's because Embiid is Embiid. You know what I mean? So anyway, that's a random Ethan musing that's not going anywhere, but a fun food for thought for later. Uh, I'm going to go with my low real quick. Uh, Mikhail Bridges. Uh, I'm very sorry to do this, homies. Since his 7 of 11, or sorry, since his 6 of 7 three-point shooting game against the Spurs, which came all the way back on December 4th, Mikhail is shooting 31% from three on 73 attempts. Yikes. That's all. Nothing to add. These aren't bad shots. They're not more contested. They're not different than his normal looks. It's within the rhythm of the game, within the flow of the offense. They're just not hidden. I, I have nothing to add to that, but that is, that's my low. Uh, Philip, what you got? He's only shooting 13 and a half attempts per game as well with Booker out. We've, we've talked about it. We like, even when Booker's in, if Booker's not going scorched earth, like we were just talking about, we like games when Mikhail flirts with 20. It, it seems like Mikhail should be closer to 20 attempts per game in the last eight game stretch. He should be significantly closer than 13 and a half attempts per game. And in those eight games, he's averaging just under 15 points, but it's on 37, 37 and a half percent from the field and just under 30% from three. The Suns have no hope of doing anything significant if Mikhail doesn't get his stuff together. And if Booker's going to be out for an extended period of time, he has to be better than he's been the last two weeks. Has to. Mm, double whammy for Mikhail. Ryan, what, Ryan, what you got? We love you, Mikhail. Yeah, we Mine's love you so much. also about, no, I, I'm just kidding. It's not about Mikhail. Uh, that's it. It is about. Landry Shamit. It he is. sucks. And I'm no, tired of it. It's not about him specifically, but the whole sequence of the dunk was Milo for the oh. week. You're down one with 30 oh. seconds in overtime. Shamit takes the three. Aaron Gordon goes coast to coast and then baptizes you. Uh, can that we was just can demoralizing. Philip and I's low as well. Like Mikhail, that offensive foul. Like 
I don't think it was stupid. It was just a collision. But what horrible luck yeah. on the inbound. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Just, no, it wasn't. He didn't do anything. It was the right call, though. It was yeah. the right call. But it was just a, they hit each other, and that sucks. But oh, but that what a way sequence. to just deflate me. I am just. I watched that happen, and I just went straight surrender, Cobra. And I said, "You've got to <laughs> be kidding!" And again, I'm watching this whole game in at the in-laws in bed on my iPad, and my sweet wife is like, "How are they doing?" I'm like, "We're up eight. We're probably gonna lose." She's like, "Oh, <laughs> okay." And she checks back like three minutes. She's like, "How are we doing?" I'm like, "We're up five. We're probably gonna lose." In that game, it just felt like something's gonna happen it is and jamal murray had two opportunities to do it but yeah ryan no the poor landry he yeah that video will live for the rest of his career with the brandon knights of the world but it's the whole the whole sequence to miss the three and then to immediately get dunked on and have the game basically go out of reach has to be the worst like five second stretch of anybody's career like it's such a bummer uh Real quick on the Mikhail offensive foul, that was brilliant from KCP because what they were trying to do is they were trying to do that little ghost screen where you flare out to the other wing and Kate, the Suns do that a lot with Mikhail because they try to get him slipping. Usually it's towards the basket. This one is going to be out towards the three-point line. That is veteran savvy, such a heady play from KCP to kind of anticipate that and then just get in Mikhail's way. Brilliant stuff from KCP. Can I say one more nice thing about Landry Shamit real quick? (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Even while shooting a really high just volume from three, he still averaged three and a half free throws a game. I just think that's that's good. Do, Do you know who that's more than in other similar stretches? Do you know who was unable to average three and a half free throws a game during similar stretches? He's big. He's strong. He might be from the Bahamas. Uh oh, Gondry Aiden got him. That's his first mention on the entire podcast. Forty six minutes in. Sorry, big fella. Love you very much. Uh, your 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 mid range is looking smoother and silkier every day. Uh, are just so you knows. I have no idea where these could go, but I'm excited. Ryan, what do you have for us, good sir? Mine are just two fast facts that I think are are pretty interesting. Uh, one, the Lakers still haven't beat us since the salsa, and that is just sweet, sweet, sweet karma. That is really funny. Uh, and Booker now holds this, the single-game scoring record in three different arenas, which is an absurd thing to think about. In three different arenas, including now his own after the 58-point game, um, he owns the scoring record in three of the NBA's arenas. Uh, that dude gets buckets, and that is my just so you know. That is incredible. Like, a lot of dudes have been playing in those arenas for a very long time. And the fact that, yeah, that's awesome. Philip, what do you got? I still trust Monty Williams. Here's where this is coming from. Ethan and I are now writing the fan table articles for Bright Side of the Sun. So every week you get blurbs from Ethan and blurbs from me about just the goings-on in phoenix and there have been a couple comment sections since we've started doing that those that places been, get wild <laughs> that have been popping off and there is so much criticism of monty williams and i want to throw in uh, an example of why i trust monty 
And I think he's a really interesting coach. So there's a set in basketball called horns, which is a really simple, not really simple. It's a typical set where two bigs will kind of come to the top of the key and they meet the guard, usually the point guard. And the guard kind of picks them going one way or another into a screen. And then the action kind of starts. So this week with Landry and CP on the court, the sun set up in a horns, but they didn't run the typical action. They set up in it with CP and DA being the bigs in that action. And what Landry did instead of using a screen is he slipped a quick pass into CP and then rubbed off of a DA screen. And then what that initiated was a pick and roll with DA. Now, the reason I like that stuff so much is that got Chris Paul one dribble away from the mid range instead of starting his pick and roll with DA out several dribbles, a dribble behind the three point line. I thought that was really sneaky. It was a good way to get Landry open. If DA set a really good screen, it was a good way to get um, DA and CP going in an area of the court where they might be more comfortable. And it's a more efficient action because there are less dribbles and decisions that need to be made from that part of the court. And that was just a different wrinkle than we've seen. So pretty much as always, and since we've started this podcast, I'm a big Monty fan. And I think the Suns run really interesting stuff. And some of that might be lost to the last couple of weeks, just because of the lineups that they've had to run out on the court. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, part of me feels like Monty crap is more, we, we want to be upset at things. So we find someone to pick. I'm hundred percent with you there. Uh, my, my, just so you know, it's not anything nailed down. It's just some fun team stats that I wanted to bring. I think some of them may be surprising. I, some of them were surprising to me. And I think some of them will be very obvious. Uh, one of which is that the Suns are almost the worst in the league at defensive rebound percentage. That's something you hear and you're like, yeah, that probably makes sense to me. Uh, a stat that I do think is very interesting is that the Suns right now are fourth in net rating, which I think is a, a pretty solid team efficiency on both sides thing. And the reason I bring that up, actually, let me, let me have one more stat and then I'll continue. They're also in first in the entire league in assist to turnover ratio, which I think might surprise some people. What I like about both of these stats that I think are very much a indicator of how the offense is flowing specifically with one and also just the team in general is the Suns are maintaining those levels of efficiency and success even while losing more games than we would come to expect. This is not a we suck, we're losing. This is we're we're even maintaining a lot of good performances within some disappointing losses. The Wizards one being a great example. I also think it's a really, really, really good reminder of the success the Suns are having while missing so many vital pieces. And I don't I don't know if we've just been so spoiled the last two seasons that we're just choosing to ignore that. But if you told me that the Suns would be without Chris Paul for almost a month, that Cam Johnson would play, I think, single-digit games and has been out for months now. Devin Booker has missed uh, over five games within the first third of the season. 
I mean, go down the line. Campaign's now been out for a while. Landry's had multiple games missed. Uh, Mikhail is uh, invincible, I guess, still. like That's nuts to me to see those numbers and realize what the team has gone through to maintain those numbers. And that shows that that means guys are stepping up to fill spots that are big. Torrey Craig, who still has some knucklehead plays, has been playing at a really high level to maintain that for the team. A Landry, a Dwayne, a Damian Lee are stepping up when needed to fill those voids. And I don't know. I just think that that seems to be missed on the fan base as a whole or or, our listeners maybe to where like, if the Minnesota Vikings right now were 11 and two or whatever, and I told you Justin Jefferson missed half the season and they had a backup quarterback for five games, you'd be like, that's incredible right? Like you'd be impressed at what a team has accomplished without players that are vital, we would assume to their success. Yet the Suns are doing that. And then on an even more, just if you're looking box score, you're like, well, we get whooped by bad teams. We beat good, whatever. Like in the Western conference, we're second in point differential. We're not second in the standings but we're second in point differential by, I mean, I think like we're at 4.5 or something. We're not that far behind for like, the team is doing well despite the injuries. I think it's okay to have some semblance of optimism that says once this team is healthy, there is another level that we can expect. So I know a lot of people are throwing all their eggs in the basket of new ownership, big trade deadline, this is it, make or break. And yeah, I'd like to see some movement. I think anyone would. If you can make improvements, make improvements. But I am, the more I look at what this team has been able to do, the more I start saying, you know what, if we could just have this team healthy, maybe they're a little better than even we're thinking, right? And you look at how the season started off when people were healthy and everyone was kind of figuring it out. And you're like, we can, this makes sense. And again, we have Jay Crowder costing money, I guess not, who knows, sitting on the bench. I think that There is reason to be optimistic and hopeful with this team. Even in a bad December, even in a rough stretch, you're still in the playoffs. Like, you could be the Warriors. We could be sitting here outside of the playoffs with some ugly losses, and we're sitting there kind of wringing our hands saying, oh, crap, what what if this, what if that? Like, the Suns have, in my opinion, overperformed given the rosters they've been throwing out there, and that is a good thing. So maybe that's a pep talk to myself. Maybe that's a pep talk to fans who might be down in the dumps. But the Suns are doing well despite what they've been going through. And I think if anything, that validates Phillips' point even more. Maybe that means they're being pretty well coached and well led to handle a different starting five every other game, a different group of subs coming in every other game maybe we should be all right about this and not think the sky is falling when we lose a couple games in December or have a crummy loss to Washington, right? Like things are all right. And I know, I know Eddie Johnson who can annoy some folks, I believe maybe likes to do the we're good tweet after like every loss. I'm not saying blind faith, just saying we're the sons were good, but I'm just saying, look at the numbers, look at what we've been able to do. Maybe, maybe slow down a little bit on uh, throwing away all the optimism. But gentlemen, anything else that you would like to uh, bring to the table before we uh, call it a wrap? 
I was going to include this in my just so you know, but I figure I'll give it um, just a moment here. Um, if you listen to our, our last episode, um, I just so you know, was plugging Bright Side Night with the hey, Suns. Yeah. I was hope I was going to say, uh, I was hoping. And I just up. wanted to, to give a shout out to the new owners, uh, the Ishbia brothers, who made a $100,000 donation to Bright Side Night and are sending 7,000 more kids uh, to the game. So we're super grateful for that. They that they helped us out here at the Bright Side Network with that. Um, and we would continue if, if you are looking for a way to give back this holiday season, if you go to suns.com slash bright uh, even if you just buy one $15 ticket, that'll send two kids uh, to bright side night in January against the Raptors. We'd love for you to participate in that, but uh, shout out to the new ownership for making a, a pretty big splash here, at least uh, with our side of the fandom here early, really respect them for that. And, and appreciate them. And shout out, out for uh, getting rid of Robert Sarver. Thank also, you for doing that as well. Also that. Yes. But but the kids. We're here and for the, the kids. kids. Also the kids. Philip, what you got for us, buddy? Go son. Hey. For Philip and Ryan, I am Ethan Shutt. This is End of the Valley of Phoenix Suns Podcast. We out. <laughs>